0: Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 11th, 2009. I always suggest that newcomers to the show look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, that's my major website. Scroll down, bookmark the other sites I have up there because once in a while the big ones freeze me up or cut me back and can't find out the problems and put me off for weeks on end sometimes. So this way with other sites up there and bookmarked. You can pull down the latest shows without a problem, I hope. I'll be going into more of that tonight as to, to the whys these things are actually happening. So you'll see that there's cutting through com. These are the, the authorized sites. Cutting through the dot Alan Watt cutting through the ca and Alan Watt sent sentinel dot EU. The last one has all the same audios of the shows for download going way back and it also has a lot of transcripts for prints up, you can download them print them up, and they're from the various languages of Europe, and as always I keep reminding the audience at the start of the show so not to bore you throughout the show and I know everyone skips over this point that you are the listeners, you're the audience who bring me to you, I'm not backed by any big foundation um, NGO I'm not selling uh, lots and lots of products, I sell the books I've written, and the discs I've made, etc. on my website and I take donations as well, so it's up to you to keep me going that way I'm pretty well independent and you can either buy the books I have for sale by going to the website you can use personal checks from the US to Canada Uh, same within Canada of course you can use Western Union you can use MoneyGram or PayPal and you can also order the books, etc., with PayPal, if you send me a separate email along with the, the PayPal uh, order. Those outside the Americas can use Western Union Moneygram. Some just send cash, others will use PayPal. It's up to you how you want to do it. The cash does get through. And for those who get disburned and passed to them off the shelves, who don't like to use computers, they play them on their C D players. You can write to me at Alan Watt, W-H-E-T, site 41, box 4, Estaire, that's E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P, 3, E, 4, N, 1. should also mention, too, you can also use international postal money orders from the post office from the U.S. to Canada as well, if you don't want to go through the bank. Now, we really are brought up in a conditioned world. Everyone's conditioned. And your conditioning depends upon your geopolitical status. An example of that is the British Commonwealth, as it's called. Uh, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, uh, and other other countries involved, even India and and other countries, all come under that big umbrella. And they will all have the same agenda, the same path, It was decided, in fact, when they formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and even before that with the Milner Group, all the the bankers, in fact, formed the Milner Milner Group, international bankers, that they would use the British Empire as a nucleus for world governments. And on that foundation, they brought in the League of Nations that became the United Nations. Therefore, they have the same goals, same strategies. Sometimes they'll be ahead in one country than in another. depends how fast they can roll it forward. It always comes round to the same laws, regulations, and same direction of the global agenda in all the countries. And that's so important because some of the topics we're going to pick tonight have to do with this and how it works, the big picture. Back with more after this break. This is cutting through the matrix. I mentioned just before the break there how the whole idea of bringing the world together under a global system in a Fabian fashion, that I means step by step incrementalism throughout generations of people to reach their final goal, that was really the the, the, the tracks they, they chose to work upon. But they used geopolitics, and Lord Halford, a big player in all of that, is the man who really is given the credit for coming up with the whole science of geopolitics, how to work it into, into action, work it into actual fact, In and by bring things about by pre planning on a global scale. And of course we find big players today like Brzezinski, Kissinger, who've been around forever, they seem immortal, are still playing the field and, and churning out their books on behalf of the agenda, the same agenda. It's never ever changed direction. But in the British Commonwealth countries where, as I say, that was to be the nucleus of a form of world order, uh, the very high elites, very high indeed, um, created other branches that could not be connected, obviously, at least with the name royal in them, especially in the U.S., so they, counter, they called it the Council on Foreign Relations, and it's the same group. Now, we find, if we look at certain countries in the world today Australia is leading the charge and so many of the socialist doctrines that Britain strangely enough hasn't quite caught up with they've gone further in other areas in Britain where Australia has gone further ahead with the same social doctrine in particular areas where they knew they could get away with it quicker and censoring the internet was one of them. Now Australia and the whole world is to go this way by the way and it's going that this way. Australia being part of the British Commonwealth Uh, Introduced uh, a form of power uh, that could pull any websites and anyone who looked into the websites would also be charged if you looked at the particular websites that were blacklisted and they can pull them and fine people thousands and thousands of dollars for being basically politically incorrect. And China, and we've had their reports from Yahoo how they've not just cooperated with China, they want to keep the people there insular and still give most of the propaganda from the government to the Chinese people. They don't want them going outside and elsewhere. Now, some of them still have access to external sites. What they do in those countries is what they do in Australia and in the British Commonwealth countries. They're already doing this. I know, because it's just done to me. Is they do exactly the same as they did in China. They give you hassles with your site. Uh, as I've had many times with Yahoo, even though I'm on unlimited uh, uploads basically they, they bring me to a stage and it's supposed to go up automatically and it doesn't so they just stop where it is until I contact them I can't upload anything and uh, they still take the money mind you but uh, they, they spend about two to three weeks to try to find out what the problem is that's told. these are called these are hassles you see it's meant to uh, th- make you throw your hands up and despair eventually as you are around in circles phoning them up and going around in more circles after you do phone them up until you just give up. That's the idea. But they also do what they do in China and in Australia. They, they actually tell the service providers, internet service providers to technically either disable you or um, give you very slow speed. And that's the reason, you see, uh, that I'm getting very slow speed now uh, from ExploreNet. Uh, they've cut me down so many times uh, from the, the higher speed I'm paying for until I get less than the, than the lower speed that I'm not paying for. Much, much less. And double my upload uh, time. Until, again, you're supposed to throw your hands up in despair and say, Oh well, I've had enough. And that's what they hope, you see. Same techniques in China, Australia, uh, and Canada if you're on the blacklist. In other words, you're not authorized to be out there guiding the people. They get you in a thousand ways. That's the real world, you see. This article falls right in line with this, and it's from Francis Davy, who is, he's a, a lawyer who offers legal advice to technology and media firms in computer and internet law. Thursday, December the 10th, it says, government wants new powers to block WikiLeaks And squeeze web TV. Just over a week ago, I wrote a fairly dry legal analysis of the Digital Economy Bill. This is what they're calling it in Britain. They use different names in the Commonwealth, depending on the country. It's all the same thing. You see, I spotted an extremely serious provision, Clause 11, in the version being discussed in the House of Lords. I then looked at the amendments, which you can find on the Bill's document page, and it gives you all the links to all these on this page that I'll put up this particular site on my show at the end of the uh, the night for you to look at cuttingthroughmetrics.com but it says on on the Bill's document page I'm worried that no one in Parliament appears to be taking the problem seriously what is the problem with clause 11 that I'm getting so alarmed about it amends the Communications Act 2003 to insert a new section 124H which would if passed which it will gives sweeping powers to the Secretary of State. It begins, the Secretary of State may at any time by order impose a technical obligation, technical obligation, on Internet service providers if the Secretary of State considers it appropriate in view of, and then it just trails off into other things there. Pausing there, he says, note that this says nothing at all about copyright infringement. For example, the power could be used too, and it will be, Order ISPs to block any web page found on the Internet Watch Foundations list. That's the same as Australia. Block specific undesirable sites, such as Wikileaks and yours truly. Block specific kinds of traffic or protocols, such as any form of peer-to-peer. Throttle the bandwidth. Throttle the bandwidth for particular times of service or to or from particular websites. And in other words, here you are paying for high speed. I can't even download my own audio as I'm talking here right now on what they've cut me back to. So you see, they're actually doing it in Canada. So ExploreNet is cooperating, uh, cooperating with them, obviously, to do this. And ExploreNet gives you an incredible runaround when you ask them what's going on. So anybody who's thinking of trying to get higher speed, forget ExploreNet. And I'll keep at ExploreNet until... They put my speed up to what I'm paying for. They have no problems taking the money. It says here, in short, they can do pretty much anything. I do not exaggerate. The definition of a technical obligation and technical measure are inserted by Clause 10. A technical obligation in relation to an Internet service provider is an obligation for the provider to take a technical measure against particular subscribers to its service. A technical measure is a measure that A. Limits the speed or other capacity of the service provided to a subscriber. B. Prevents a subscriber from using the service to gain access to particular material or limits such use. C. Suspends the service provided to a subscriber. Or D. Limits the service provided to a subscriber in another way. As you can see, blocking WikiLeaks is simply a matter of applying a technical measure Against all subscribers of any ISP. Surely something must limit this power, you ask? It seems not. The Secretary of State may make an order if he considers it appropriate in view of a) an assessment carried out or steps taken by Ofcom under Section 124G, or by any other consideration. By any other consideration. (laughs) That is wide open. eh? Where, uh, where any other consideration could be anything, to the credit, the Tories as the Conservatives do seem to have realized that this particular alternative is overly permissive. Lord How- Howard of Rising and Lord de Molle have proposed, in the first uh, tranche of amendments, proposed that or or be replaced by an and. So they want that the or be replaced by an and. Huh. What astonishes me is that there is no obligation for the Secretary of State to even publish such an order, let alone subject it to the scrutiny of Parliament. Yet It could fundamentally change the way the Internet operates, use it or operators use it. Other orders made under other parts of the bill will have to be made by statutory instrument, and most will require parliamentary approval, but not this one. The one to use technical methods of slowing your speed and so on uh, is allowed to go ahead. Not all boys' network. Old school tie, Upper Canada College. Oh, Bertie, this guy's given us a problem. Give him a hassle, will you? Cut his speed. Oh, but what will he do if he phones up and complains? Oh, tell him it's probably his end. Get his satellite checked like they did the last time. He'll get fed up running out of money. That's what they do. (laughs) That's what they really do, folks, in the real world. And that's how it's done freedom, eh, freedom of the internet and here's the same techniques uh, that they use in China to be used in Britain and it has been used already it's been used in Canada already too I know, because I'm I'm actually the object of one of the little circuses quite something quite something indeed now Andrew Breitbart uh, has a, a good site up there and this particular article is what's happened at uh, the climate gate uh, fiasco in uh, Copenhagen because they're uh, turning the armed guards on anybody who asks questions there about climate Gate. i'm not kidding you and this is by mike Flynn. it says un security stops journalists questions about climate gates a stanford professor has used united nations security officers to silence a journalist, asking him inconvenient questions during a press briefing at a climate change conference in Copenhagen. Professor Stephen Schneider, uh, his assistant, requested armed UN security officers who held filmmaker Philip McLear ordered him to stop filming and prevented further questioning after the press conference where the Stanford academic was launching a book. This is where all these big boys for the IPCC go. And they're getting massive grants and they get the ghost-written books. They get their, their lovely face on it and it's put out there for the public, for all the people who want to gobble that stuff up, the true believers. This year, Michael Lear, a veteran journalist and filmmaker, had recently made a, a documentary, Not Evil, Just Wrong, which takes a sceptical look at the science and politics behind global warming concerns. Oh, what an evil guy to do that. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix talking about an incident that happened, or probably one of many, I have no doubt at the United Nations where a a journalist uh, was actually put under armed guards basically for asking questions about climate gate to uh, one of the head guys at the IPCC that's the intergovernmental panel on climate confabulation it says here uh, McAleer, a veteran journalist and filmmaker had recently made a documentary, Not Evil Just Wrong, which takes a sceptical look at the science and politics behind global warming concerns he asked Professor Snyder about his opinions on climate gate where leaked emails had revealed that a senior British professor deleted data and encouraged colleagues to do likewise if it contradicted their belief in global warming. Very well phrased, their belief, because it's a belief system. Professor Phil Jones, the head of Britain's Climate Research Unit, has temporarily stood down pending an investigation into the scandal. The the independent inquiry, by the way, is is led by uh, a guy from the Royal Society who is an uh, absolute, uh, is ardent, Supportive of the theory of global warming, so-called so, so for so much for uh, independent inquiries. Getting back to this article here, Professor Schneider, who was a senior member of the UN's IPCC on all this hullabaloo of climate change, said he would not comment on emails that may have been incomplete or edited. During some test exchanges between McAleer, UN officials, and Professor Schneider's assistants, twice tried to cut short McAleer's question. However, as the press conference drew to close Professor Schneider's assistant called armed UN security guards to the room, they held McAleer and aggressively ordered the cameraman, Ian Forster, to stop filming. The guard threatened to take away the camera and expel the film crew from the conference if they did not obey his instructions to stop filming Professor Schneider. The guard demanded to look at the film crew's press credentials and refused to allow them to film until Professor Schneider left the room. Michael Lear said he was disappointed by Professor Schneider's behaviour. Disappointed, I'd say more than that. So there's a press conference. A climate gate is a major story. It goes to the heart of the global warming debate by calling into question the scientific data and integrity of many scientists involved. These questions should be answered. Attempts by UN officials and Professor Schneider's assistants remove any microphone were ham fisted, but events took a more sinister turn when they called an armed UN security officer to silence a journalist. Well, you see, if folk don't get through their heads, I think it's we've passed the point of it, actually, at the point of no return, that you're under a, a form of social tyranny. It, it, it has many names to it communism, socialism, whatever. It's all the same. It's all the same. Each, t- each branch of the whole communistic socialist agenda, Fabian's agenda, were all specialized branches to bring them all to the same ending. And you're seeing it. The UN was set up not to be a democratic institution, but a governing body, a world governing body. And here they are turning armed guards on journalists who asked inconvenient questions. And what really is built up to be a rah-rah, cheerleading uh, party for all the in-crowds and all the NGOs that are getting paid to go there. You don't want someone dampening the fire, so to speak. Now, there's so many stories to pick from as to, just to, again, reaffirm the fact you're already under tyranny. You're in a planned society I was going to talk about uh, the new laws that are coming in uh, to do with um, changing uh, the way that we deal with the elderly uh, in hospital care uh, under eugenics. They call it bioethics. You see, it used to be called the eugenics societies, now they call them bioethics committees. It sounds better because they used to get associated with Adolf Hitler and the eugenical policies and racial purity laws of the 1930s and 40s. They changed the name. Uh, but they're still running the show. And you think they're fascist right-wingers, but they're not really, they belong to another group altogether. As I say, Professor Carl Quigley knew darn well who they were because he worked for them. He said they're often mistaken for for the far-left communist crew, but he says it's a real issue of international affairs, worldwide organization. India's got a, a big branch of them. Every country's got a big branch of them. And in countries that don't like the word royalty, they call themselves councils and foreign relations. And they're really at the end of of this major part, the Hundred Years' War, as they planned it to be, from the early 1900s right up to the present time and into the 21st century. The the 21st century was to be marked for change when the old form of communism, which was the fast way to socialism, uh, was was going to emerge with the West. Because during that period, they would be already socializing the West through education and scientific indoctrination school and through the culture industry and all of the media that has been done successfully so we are seeing the rise of the world society but it's to go under the auspices of the United Nations it's an undemocratic body this is what I mean by governance governance as opposed to government governance as a sort of vague term. It's, some, it's no, no national country. In fact, the enemy of this whole world society is nationalism and independent sovereignty. And the individual, by the way. They say that the individual is a danger to world peace. You must be part of the collective. That's why we're going through the beginnings of Orwell's 84 and have been since 2001 and will merge eventually in the next 30 years into brave new world of Huxley. That's how it's designed to go. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. Cutting through the Matrix. I've said many times before that whenever you see the same kind of topics popping up all over the place uh, in different countries at the same time, you know you're watching a a concerted uh, effort to get a message across. Nothing happens by chance in this world, especially when you take thousands and thousands and thousands of newspapers and, and different means of media and they all converge on different topics suddenly at the same time. You know, it's a coordinated effort. Yesterday I mentioned the fact that a whole conglomeration of newspaper chains, including The Guardian, and Britain, and the Irish Times as well, and a whole bunch of them had uh, got together and funded the advertising around Copenhagen to tell all the people who were, who were attending to pass the treaty, to sign it and pass it. Now, that tells you, number one, newspapers all have political agendas. So whenever you're reading any article at all, remember that. They're not there to tell you the truth. In fact, I read a report not so long ago that came from a trial, I think, in the UK. Um, maybe, it's U- or maybe it's the US to do with Fox, I think it was, where journalists had taken their, their company to task because they were forbidden to write about a certain topic. And uh, it turned out that... Um, that uh, the comp- their own company had lied about the same topic in the past. It came out, and the judge said, uh, "It says well, it says newspapers are not obligated to tell the public any truth." And you see how we take it for granted that they're, they're, they're an appendage to our brain. They're telling us what we should know. They're, they're, they're programming you with uh, particular political agendas and slants. And you don't have to just just slant a story, you can simply omit another part of it, a big chunk of it, to give you the impression and the conclusion they want you to arrive at. So here's an article here, and I read yesterday about how they were touting up China uh, as the model state for the world with its one-child-per-family policy, and how we should all emulate them. Now, John Holdren, remember, in that book that he co-authored in the 1970s, where he advocated sterilizing lots of people, millions of them, and, and uh, finding ways for mandatory abortions and all the rest of it, where the, the government would decree that you were not allowed to have that child, so they'd abort it. This great guy that's now on, is the science advisor for Obama, we should all be terrified because these right people, the right people now, have been put in at the right time for their agenda across the world because they do go by planks and and timetables five year plans for this ten for that fifty years for that a hundred years to get to that stage they know exactly what they're doing and this is from Diane Francis who's been around forever in Canada in Canada you don't have many main writers uh, same as actors and uh, even TV stations to make sure that they can always control all media and whatever the public are being told is all under the same control it's much easier to can control it that way, kind of like the BBC did for, in Britain for years and years. But this is from thefinancialpost.com. And here she is, Ra rah And no doubt she's been told, now it's time for you to say your, your piece and repeat what we say, you know. That's how it's done. The real inconvenient truth, she says, uh, December the 8th, 2009. There's a picture there of the Chinese all on bicycles in China. And a child's face behind them on a poster. I love how they use all these little psychological imprints on you. It says the inconvenient truth overhanging the UN's Copenhagen conference is not that the climate changes, that the climate is warming or cooling, but that humans are overpopulating the world, she says. He's your, he's your impartial person who brings you the news, right? Hmm? A, planet, a planetary law. Now, that's exactly what Holden, Holdren said, John Holdren. A planetary law such as China's one-child policy is the only way to reverse the disastrous global birth rate currently, which is one million births for every four days. That's so they say. The world's other species, vegetation, resources, oceans, arable land, water supplies, and atmosphere are being destroyed and pushed out of existence as a result of humanity's soaring reproduction rates. Ironically, China, despite its dirty coal plants is the world's leader in terms of fashioning policy to combat environmental degradation, thanks to its one-child-only edict, which is an utter lie. Because I've I've read from the China news before, only about a month ago, two months ago, or so, it's in the archives and my website, cuttingtothematrix.com, where if you're wealthy, you can have more than one child, you just pay a little fee, you see and you pay a fee for each one which means that eugenically speaking the ones who should get up there by Darwin standards the ones who are more economically viable uh, are breeding the right children having more of the right children rather than have all the workers at the bottom uh, breeding children outbreeding the ones at the top exactly what Charles Galton Darwin said in his book in the 1950s uh, called called The Next Million Years so here she is Rang China and how, how we should all Uh, copy China remember it's it's just the the copy uh, that we've all to copy or or, or the state we've all to copy they call it the model state for the world at the United Nations well no thank you no thank you no I don't want to copy anybody how about you out there shouldn't it be up to the person what they want to do government is a tyranny now that's where it's a complete utter tyranny, and it is the culmination of a, a long laid-out plan and war that, as I say, comprised of different elements for different places geopolitically, used in different strategies for the Soviet system. It was a fast revolution to bring it up to speed. They've been left as a socialized country, regardless, with the same system of education throughout fastest way to do it. And in the West, used Fabian techniques, mainly through the British Empire to start with, and and the United States, which was much, much slower because the U.S. actually believed it had rights and freedoms on an individual basis. And to be honest with you, it's it's getting harder to find people in the U.S. who are willing to do anything about standing up for those values. Because the, the U.S. was heavily targeted, heavily targeted, by propaganda and infiltration quite a long time ago in fact who got up the top very very quickly because of the cash financing and the right contacts to put them in the right positions like Mr Holdren for instance so here she is, here's here's Diane Francis advocating uh, and again pulling figures out the air as they love to do just like the, the climate gate stuff they would just pull figures and stats out the air or feed uh, the right kind of data into a computer that you knew darn well is going to give you what you want to hear. But it must be true, you see, it's science. That's the argument. It must be true, you see, that computer can't lie. <laughs> it can, a computer can only turn out what's fed into it. Pence depends who's doing the feeding. And this article here, too, there's, a, there's some good in it and there's some truth in it, too. You obviously don't know the whole picture but it's from the Vancouver Sun. And it says, If you've done nothing wrong, you have everything to worry about. By Pete McMartin. November the 21st. Whenever someone frets about the erosion of personal freedoms in our modern society, such as in the steady proliferation of surveillance cameras in public places, the stock answer, which is one I read all too often in my email, is, If you haven't done anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. People who say this are tools, not to be too blunt about it, not are they willing to trade away my rights, since they haven't a basic appreciation of theirs, but their understanding of the relationship between government and the governed is one of subservience based on fear. And the idea that their fear is not only natural, but justifiably permanent, given the state of the world, that's what we've all been taught since 2001. Thus, we should all be fearful all of the time. We should empower government to do whatever it feels necessary to protect us. This is sarcasm, obviously. Then questioning nature of this logic not only institutionalizes fear, it makes it a patriotic duty. And the good citizen, the one who has done nothing wrong, will have nothing to worry about. Oh yeah, out of Britain comes the case recently of 40-year-old Jenny Patton, mother of three and... In the eyes of the state, a security hazard. Her crime, she was suspected of falsifying her address to enroll her daughter in a neighboring school. Now, that's been on TV in Britain. Um, You wouldn't believe the lengths that the the government went to to try to catch this woman. They tapped her phones. They had spies photographing her every move, following her everywhere. And nothing went through any particular governmental policy agency or anything else. So a covert surveillance operation was begun on her in 2008 when, and I'm not making this up, an officer from the local education department followed her for three weeks. He noted her movements in a log. The department obtained her telephone records. She'd done nothing wrong and the local council where Patton lives maintained maintained it had done nothing wrong either. Under the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act of 2000, local governments have the power to use surveillance to investigate such pithy matters as reports of people not cleaning up after their dogs or whose dogs bark too loudly or people who don't recycle their trash, you don't recycle your trash, they'll, they'll put agents on you to watch you and monitor you and tap your, your phone and everything else or who put out their trash too early or of people who operate unlicensed taxi cabs. some 474 local governments and 318 agencies have already availed themselves of these powers, including, hilariously, the Charity Commission. And they can and do use hidden cameras, examine phone records, track website visits, and hire people to go undercover to watch and follow you. It's astonishing. This woman, by the way, was just trying to get her child into a particular school, and the whole thing was about what area she came under, under this socialised system that people think is just communist. And that's what we're under now, is hundreds and hundreds of agencies. That's the beautiful, brave new world they're bringing in, agency after agency after agency, and there's no debating with them. And when they come to your homes too and say, "Oh, you can't burn a wood stove anymore, it's giving off carbon. Well, they fine you $10,000 a day until you stop doing it. And you'll say then, well, so you're telling me I've got to freeze to death? They'll say, oh, no, we're not saying that, sir. You can use electricity or some other method. You say, well, I can't afford electricity or some other method. Well, that's not our fault, sir. So you go back to the circle again, the circular argument. So you're condemning me to death by freezing. Oh, no, sir, you can use electricity. you round and round and round. And that's it, kids. That's how it really works. This is the frustration that folk had in communist countries. The taxi cabs in Moscow at one point had to literally jack up the backs of their cars, turn back the odometers for their mileage, Order to get their their monthly ration of gasoline, or Moscow would have come to a standstill. That's how crazy it gets when you're under a completely socialized system run by layer upon layer upon layer of bureaucrats. And welcome, because that's what global governance is all about, and you're just on the verge of seeing it all implemented. There's an article here from the Council on Foreign Relations from the magazine Foreign Affairs. As you know, they always tell you what the future is going to be because they're the guys who work it into being on behalf of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And everybody knows that Brzezinski, everybody who listens to this show and other shows on alternate news radio uh, will know that Brzezinski has basically said that Obama is his boy and Obama said that Brzezinski was his mentor. As an article by Brzezinski, December 11, 2009. I'll put these links up on my website. Remember, if I can possibly get any speed up at all to upload it through ExploreNet, it's cut me back by the new policies on behalf of the Canadian government. It says here Barack Obama's foreign policy has generated more expectations and strategic breakthroughs. Three urgent issues the Israeli really Palestinian conflicts, Iran's nuclear ambitions, and the Afghan Pakistani challenge. test his ability to significantly change U.S. policy is ignor Brzezinski who was U.S. National Security Advisor from 1977 to 1981 his most recent book is Second Chance, Three Presidents and the Crisis of American Superpower now I've already given the link out before where you hear Brzezinski in the 70s uh, getting the jihad started in Afghanistan where they were fighting the Soviets and he says on the the video find the link and put it up again you'll see him tell the, the Afghanistanis that theirs would be a holy war. And because the U.S., you see, created them, financed them through the CIA, and once they'd, they'd been fighting at the Soviets, and the Soviets now are blended with the West, under the new socialist world system, they had to get rid of them now. So the same guy is still making national policy. He also boasted, by the way, that he had a lot to do with a different uh, soft power Revolutions like the orange one in Czechoslovakia. They fund the NGOs to go in. Same thing in Iran when they were protesting in the street. He sort of smirked when he said that he also had a hand in that. They never stop, these guys. So he says here, the foreign policy of U.S. President Barack Obama can be assessed most usefully in two parts. First, his goals and decision-making system, which is simply what he's been told to do, of course, and second, his policies and their implementation. To his credit, Obama has undertaken a truly ambitious effort to redefine the United States view of the world and to reconnect the United States with the emerging historical context of the 21st century. He's done this remarkably well in less than a year. He's comprehensively reconceptualized U.S. foreign policy with respect to several, several centrally important geopolitical issues. It says, Islam is not an enemy, and the global war on terror does not define the United States' current role in the world, which is a lie, because they have to eradicate Islam, the actual religion itself. He it says, the United States will be fair-minded and an assertive mediator when it comes to attaining lasting peace between Israel and Palestine. Well, that's another joke. The United States ought to pursue serious negotiations with Iran over its nuclear program, as well as other issues, like getting their oil from them. The counterinsurgency campaign in the Taliban-controlled parts of Afghanistan should be part of a, a larger political undertaking rather than a predominantly military one. The United States should respect Latin Americans' cultural and historical sensitivities and expand its contacts with Cuba. It's amazing these guys at one point can have the, the CIA and their training, the School of America, and how we slaughtered them all down in South America when it suited them until they had... Got all, the, all that in the bag and the right people in place. And then, then of course, they come back and say that so we must go you know, to a different uh, track now uh, with uh, Latin America. Now we've done all that we were successful in doing. There's no conscience with these psychopaths. You understand that? To them, everything is just, just like a maze they have to work through, a chessboard, and they do it uh, instinctively. There's no, there's no such thing as shame or regret on anything. And they enjoy what they're doing. They get a real kick on the power of watching wars break out uh, where, where, where they've really agitated, or revolutions break out where they've agitated. And they sit back and watch TV, and uh, they must have orgasms when they see the people being conned and fooled and declining out policies they don't even understand because I don't know who's pulling the strings. Back after this break. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix and jumping from the CFR and Brzezinski and all his pablum to this other site here it's called Parent Dish Parent Dish UK and I'll put this link up too it's by Jennifer LaVille LaVille her name is December the 11th 2009 and Education News it says counter-terrorism police have turned their attention to preschool tots. talks I'm not kidding this is not a cartoon I'm reading from and their attempts to stamp out, fun- stamp out fundamentalism the vast nursery staff to monitor children for signs of Islamic radicalization. Why just this Islamic? Why shouldn't it shouldn't be across the board in that great democracy for every single group, hmm? Some are more equal than others in such utopias, eh? That's what Orwell said. But it said here, A leaked email sent by a terrorism officer from the West Midlands to community groups suggests that the police see very young children as posing a real potential threat. Unnamed named officer writes, I do hope that you will tell me about persons of whatever age you think may have been radicalised or be vulnerable to radicalisation. Evidence suggests that radicalisation can take place from the age of four. So I guess I've done a little psychological studies, eh? The policy was derided last night by opposition parties in Parliament with Chris Kuhn, the Liberal Democrat, home of your spokesman, branding it an absurd absurd waste of police time. Police spokesmen also seem to be trying to distance themselves from the leaked memo with Sir Norman Bettison from the Association of Chief Police Officers, describing it as a clumsy attempt to explain policy. Interesting too, you see, you have an international police chiefs association that belongs to the United Nations, it's across the world, in Britain, the US and everywhere else. Police chiefs even have their own TV station. I only to say here, he added, there's absolutely no example nationally of the police engaging with nursery-aged kids specifically on this issue. That This is the age for learning about stranger danger and the Tafti Club. Arun Kundnani of the Institute of Race Relations spoke to the officer who wrote the email. He did seem to think it was standard. He said it wasn't just him or his unit that was doing it that's requesting them to give the children the tots the third degree. He said the indicators were they, the children might draw pictures of bombs. (laughs) They're playing with video games all the time, eh? (laughs) And say things like, all Christians are bad. Why would you say Christians? Or that they believe in an Islamic state. The idea of monitoring very young children. Does he mean a world state or the state? What is he talking about here? The idea of monitoring very young children from warning signs of fundamentalism will seem Orwellian. Intrusive or even pointless to many parents who are well aware of the bizarre things a four-year-old is capable of coming out with. However, these concerns arise from genuine instances such as a convicted terrorist who was caught in camera indoctrinating his five-year-old son. He asked him, who do you love? Until the boy replied, I love Sheikh Osama bin Laden. What, what, what do you say I love Obama? Huh? Hmm? Or Jehovah? Or whatever. Well, most would agree that they want the country to be safe from the threat of terrorism, whether we're happy to let police or the Pope for that matter, there's another one. Hmm? To let police enter the nurseries to monitor children in the name of national security, that's another question. Then it goes into all the hoopla that the people in parliament spoke about, as I say in their ongoing, ever ongoing problem, in this farce of a world, of a tyranny, this tyrannical world state that's emerged, and folk don't even know it outside of places like this show. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, where we've got lots of snow, thanks to the global warming, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.